Hey Future Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. And I'm Andy. And we are the hosts of Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Each week, we'll dive into some of the most unnerving crimes that this unnatural world has to offer. Listen for Unnatural on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. I'm Dee Dee West, and this is Broken Limelight. Before we start with today's episode, just a reminder that my new book just came out. It's called Broken Limelight, Shocking True Crime Stories About Celebrities. It's on sale on Amazon, or you can also grab the link on brokenlimelight.com. It's right there on the homepage. I will also be holding a book signing in Las Vegas pretty soon, probably sometime in October, so stay tuned for those details. Also, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm going to be taking a short break from the podcast pretty soon. Um, after this episode, I'll do one more and then I won't be back until right around Halloween time. I, I just I got booked for a lot of work during the spooky season, which is really exciting. And like when I started this podcast, it was during like right at the end of the pandemic. So uh, I wasn't all that busy. But now I just really like not only will I not be home much, but I have to like memorize and I like practice a lot of stuff. So anyway, you'll find out. If you want to learn more about that, you can actually follow my performance schedule on my personal website. It's ddwestmusic.com. And I also have clips of my performances on YouTube. So just look at my YouTube channel. It's under Dee West, which, by the way, if you're not subscribed to it, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Now, this episode is about child stars with abusive or exploitative stage parents. When I say abusive, I don't necessarily mean physically abusive. I think this is something that isn't talked about a lot, and I'd really like to bring attention to just how common the problem is. A lot of times, these kids don't even have a choice in their career. They're just, that's what they've always done. And I honestly think we need to have a conversation about how working as an actor can affect the child's psychology. Things like child labor laws are in place, but there are often loopholes in place so that kids are worked to their, like, beyond their limits. Not only that, but have you ever wondered about kids who play really difficult roles, like in really dark films, in like horrors or drama movies? And have you ever considered whether or not they receive any kind of emotional or psychological support in preparation for their roles or even in between takes? I think about that all the time. So this episode is going to be a mishmash of multiple celebrities because, again, I don't know if you realize just how common this problem is. So first, we're going to talk about Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan's mother, Dina, she is known for being extremely involved in her daughter's career. She's always claimed that she was formerly a rocket for Radio City, but there's little evidence of that. Unfortunately for Lindsay and her mother, both have been prominently featured in the media for breaking the law. Lindsay has had car accidents and has been pulled over a few times for driving under the influence. And she also had a separate charge of assault. Her mother also has a rap sheet for driving under the influence and 
also had a hit-and-run charge. The two have been seen leaving nightclubs together, and it's said that they use drugs together like cocaine. Lindsay's mother has been accused of piggybacking off of her daughter's success. She's made a number of appearances on Lindsay's behalf, saying things like, I'm answering questions only a mother can. When Lindsay was in rehab, her mom went to her rehab to visit her along with her um, Lindsay's sister, Allie. And she also took with her some cameramen from E.T. That's um, Entertainment Tonight. And they showed up to the rehab, like camera crew and everything. Lindsay was so angry that all these cameras were there and the people at the rehab center were infuriated. According to Lindsay's father, Michael Lohan, Dina had signed a lifetime agreement when Lindsay was 10 years old, ensuring that she would forever be entitled to 20% of Lindsay's earnings. I wasn't able to verify that. From what I can find, Lindsay hasn't commented on that particularly. There was a time around 2012 when Lindsay talked about firing her mom as her manager, but it seems like things have kind of gone back and forth between them. Next, I'm going to tell you about Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields is a well-known fashion model and actress. She was born in Manhattan, New York on May 31st, 1965. Just five days after her birth, her mother, Terry, said, she's the most beautiful child and I'm going to help her with her career. When Brooke was 10 years old, Playboy hired her for a very inappropriate photo shoot. And the photos didn't end up in the actual Playboy magazine, but rather in their sister magazine called Sugar and Spice, which featured younger girls and was supposed to be a little more tame. I, I, I don't know what that means because these photos were not tame. The photos show Brooke in a bathtub, nude, covered in oil, and wearing heavy eyeliner and lipstick. And her hair is like, she's all done up. Again, she's 10. Some of the photos showed full frontals, um, or like, they, they showed quite a bit. Everything was exposed. The photographer, Gary Gross, was reportedly paid $450 for the shoot, but insisted that it wasn't intended to be pornographic in nature. And that's supposedly why Brooke's mother, Terry, also agreed to the shoot. But Terry became visibly upset when she was handed a copy of the porn magazine, which featured her 10-year-old daughter. However, she then admitted that at the time, she found the photos to be beautiful. But the thing is, Brooke wasn't old enough to know what these nude photos meant or how they might affect her in the future. In 1976, Sugar and Spice printed two naked photographs of her 10-year-old body. One was splashed across a two-page spread. In 2009, the photographer Gary Gross said, the photo has been infamous from the day I took it and I intended it to be. If you Google the pictures, it's disturbingly easy to find the uncensored, unedited versions. I uploaded a couple of the edited versions on brokenlimelight.com that like just to show her face because I wanted to show you guys her makeup and the way that she's all kind of glammed up and like covered in oil. But the pictures that I uploaded will be cropped or they'll have like emojis covering the sensitive areas. Just because if you're like me, you might be curious to see these photos. But like I was honestly like I was shocked. I didn't I didn't expect to Google it. And then the nude photographs of this child to be right in fucking front of me. So don't do that. Don't do what I did. Just go to my website if you want to avoid that. In 1978, at just 12 years old, Brooke starred in the movie Pretty Baby, where she played a child prostitute. This movie is very controversial for good reason. It's fucked up. It takes place in 1917 while prostitution was legal. Brooke's character, Violet, is the daughter of, um, of a, a prostitute and they live in a brothel. And they decide that Violet is old enough to have her virginity auctioned off. So this man purchases Violet's virginity and takes her home with him and then like they end up like getting married and he takes care of her and he's kind of like between this father figure but they're also ha having a sexual relationship 
So like this film starring 12-year-old Brooke Shields actually includes nude scenes and scenes of this child making out with this full, this grown-ass man. Like she had her first kiss with this grown man on TV. And the producers and everybody explained to her that, you know, this doesn't count as her first kiss because it's, it's kind of an artwork thing. Then when Brooke was 14, her mother booked her for the movie The Blue Lagoon, which came out in 1980. And it also featured nude sex scenes between Brooke Shields and an adult male actor who played her brother. I believe this actor was 18. Nonetheless, she was 14. Also at 14, Brooke was the youngest model to appear on the cover of Vogue. And at 16, she was featured in the famously controversial Calvin Klein's Jean campaign, the one that had a TV ad that included her saying the famous tagline, you want to know what comes between me and my Calvins? Nothing. 40 years later, Brooke says she has no regrets about her childhood. Judy Garland, her mother put her on stage at just two years old. She was quoted as saying, the only time I felt wanted when I was a kid was when I was on stage performing. Judy's mother, Ethel, managed her children's lives ever since they were little kids. She would line them up for performances and auditions. Sometimes she would even parade them around vaudeville venues and adult nightclubs. One of those places was actually rated for gambling during Judy's performance. Judy said about her mother, She would sort of stand in the wings when I was a little girl, and if I didn't feel good, if I was sick to my tummy, she'd say, you get out there and sing or I'll wrap you around the bedpost and break you off short. So I'd go out and sing. Among her sisters, Judy became particularly successful, and she ended up starring in multiple Hollywood movies. Her most well-known movie as a child was The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz is its whole own story that I'm going to have to do an entire episode on because there was a lot of abuse and just, just... fucking darkness on that set. Judy was actually encouraged to take pet pills like methamphetamines to keep her energy up and also keep her weight down. But the producers of The Wizard of Oz weren't actually like the only ones encouraging that because her mother had already been encouraging it for a little bit. And then when these methamphetamines kept Judy from going to sleep at night, she would be given sleeping pills. And Judy's mother would eventually like conspire with the studios themselves to help regulate the child's diet. Judy said, from the time that I was 13, there was a constant struggle between MGM and me, whether or not to eat, how much to eat, and what to eat. I remember this more vividly than anything else about my childhood. Judy Garland ended up becoming addicted to drugs and died of a barbiturate overdose in 1969 at just 46 years old. Drew Barrymore began her career very young. She was only seven years old when she appeared in the movie E.T. Immediately after she hit it big, her mother Jade became money hungry. She quit her job to become Drew's manager, and then they moved to a big house in Sherman Oaks, California. In Drew's memoir called Wildflower, she writes, I was disgusted. Great. I'll be the breadwinner. Drew says that while she was in school, her mother would often forget to pack her lunch. She says, I would stare at these kids' lunches because they had something that I didn't. It bothered me less that I had an absentee father than it did that I was not in the lunch game. When Drew was as young as nine years old, her mother, Jade, would take her to Studio 54, which is a notorious club, and she would also make Drew dance with famous men and take drugs with them. Drew recalls how her mother would take her on nightly outings with her and her adult friends for up to five nights a week for up to a year. Drew described herself as a party girl around this time, and she would dabble in cocaine and alcohol, and she hung out in adult nightclubs throughout Hollywood. Drew said, I had a mom, but she was more like my best friend. She was like, do you want to go to school and get bullied all day, or do you want to go to Studio 54? And I was like, yes, absolutely. When Drew was 13 years old, she tried to kill herself by slitting her wrists, and in 1988, her mother had her institutionalized. 
When Drew was just 14 years old, she was emancipated from her mother. Drew's mother apparently supported the decision. By 16, Drew was living on her own. She had her own job and her own apartment. She did struggle, but she was able to get more work acting, and she revived her reputation and eventually started her own production company. Drew Barrymore has her own children now, and she plans to give them a very different childhood from the one that she had. Around the time that Drew was using drugs was when she dated Corey Feldman for a short time. Corey Feldman is another example of a child star who was forced into acting at a young age. You might remember that I covered his story. It was episode 15. So when Corey was just three years old, he got his first job doing a McDonald's commercial where he was told that he was going to get to meet Santa Claus. But it ended up not being Santa Claus. It was just a short scene where a guy's arm was wearing like a coat arm and some gloves. So like that was all that you could see in the scene. So it was really disappointing for Corey. Corey's mom would also fat shame him all the time and call him ugly. She once held shears up to his face like she pinned him to the ground and put these scissors, these shears up to his nose and cackled while telling him that she was going to give him a makeshift nose job. She also wasn't very present as a mother, and she often left Corey unsupervised. See, Corey has discussed openly how he was sexually abused on the sets of his films, and not just on the sets, also by people around him, like people who worked for his father and his management and things like that. And his parents seemingly weren't ever around enough to even notice. Corey's father also tried to step in and take control of Corey's career and started just booking him for all kinds of, like, bullshit jobs that somebody in Corey's position should never take. And it just wasn't beneficial to Corey. So Corey also ended up filing to become legally emancipated. However, he had to give his father a lot of the money in order for him to agree to that. Joan Crawford is well known for a lot of her roles. But what we're going to talk about is the 1978 film Mommy Dearest, which is based on the memoir of her daughter, Christina. Christina's made a lot of claims about her mother being abusive and a sadistic drunk. She would often beat her or punish her for the most ridiculous things. When Christina was nine, Joan dragged her out of bed one night and beat her with a can. When she was 13, she grabbed her by the throat, punched her in the face, and slammed her against the wall. Joan was a huge neat freak. She always needed to maintain this image of perfection. So she did anything possible to make it appear as if they were this fantastically happy family. Joan had four failed marriages and a few failed relationships with men and women, she found herself unable to have children, and that's when she decided to adopt Christina. Joan told Christina that her biological mother was dead, but she actually wasn't. Christina found out the truth in the 1990s, but by then, both of her biological parents were dead. A year and a half after adopting Christina, Joan decided to adopt the baby boy. Sadly, the boy's mother came back into the picture and just took the baby back. Joan was devastated, so she adopted another baby boy to replace the first one. In 1947, she decided that she wanted more kids, so she adopted a set of twin baby girls who she named Cindy and Kathy. She adopted them from a Tennessee adoption agency, which is now known for employing illegal practices in order to provide babies to Hollywood elite. It's unknown if Joan knew about that. When Christina was 27 years old, she briefly became an actress on a daytime American soap. However, during filming, she became ill, and Joan offered to step in so for a few episodes, Joan actually played her daughter's character, who was supposed to be 25 years old, and Joan was actually 60 at this time. But this is just a really good example of Joan's ego. The Wilson brothers from the Beach Boys had a really fucked up time with their father. These were Brian Dennis and Carl Wilson. Their father's name was Murray. He had a lot of really cruel and obscene ways of getting his sons to perform for him. 
One time he actually forced Brian to defecate on a newspaper in the kitchen and then made him clean it up. Brian said, my dad was violent. He was cruel. Whenever I became afraid, he would yell at me or slap me or call me a pussy. When he didn't put his hands on us, he would try to scare us in other ways. He would take out his glass eye and make us look into the space where the eye used to be. Brian said that his mother just looked on while the abuse occurred. He also said that he would occasionally provoke his father, saying, I once took a shit on a plate and brought it to my dad. Although Brian had a successful time with the Beach Boys, he was traumatized and he started to self-medicate with marijuana, cocaine, and LSD. He also claimed to have experienced pangs of anxiety and screaming voices in his head ever since he was 14 years old. Brian Wilson ultimately found a professional doctor who was able to help him, and he would later write a memoir and regain the confidence to go back on stage. Ariel Winter is known for her role in Modern Family and also for voicing Disney's Sophia the First. She has been open and honest about the emotional and physical abuse that she suffered at the hands of her mother, Crystal Workman. Winter says that she felt that her mother's actions led her to feel over-sexualized. She said, My mother would dress me in the smallest miniskirts, sailor suits, low-cut things, the shortest dresses you've ever seen. People thought I was 24 when I was 12. If there was going to be a nude scene when I was that age, my mother would have a thousand percent said yes. Ariel also says that her mother would place her on strict diets and keep her out late at night, like to parties, even when she needed to be up early to go on set. So when Ariel was 14, she also had herself emancipated and went to live with her sister. She also leaned on her co-stars for Modern Family for support. This one's a little different, but do you guys remember the college admission scandal? So Lori Laughlin, she was, um, she was Aunt Becky in Full House. She bribed officials to allow her two children entry into the University of Southern California, fraudulently. Felicity Huffman, she also bribed officials to get her children entry into a college and got caught by the FBI. The lengths that people will go through for their kids here, man. Macaulay Culkin had a very controlling father. He stated that he was hardly ever allowed to read the scripts beforehand. His father would read them for him and then tell him what was expected of him the next day. He was basically a machine that he was just like instructions were being pumped into him. Macaulay also emancipated himself from his father's control. Now, this one's for sure going to get a deep dive later, but I have to mention it. Michael Jackson and his siblings. Michael was reportedly physically beaten and verbally tormented by his father, Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson allegedly forced his children into rigorous rehearsals on a daily basis. He would make them sing and dance, and he would just hurl insults at them for any mistake they made. He would punish them with a strap, a belt buckle, or a cord. He would also force them to carry cinder blocks across the garden for hours or beat them with branches. Joe Jackson was notorious for calling Michael Big Nose, which might be the reason that Michael had so many issues with his appearance and all the nose jobs. Joe Jackson says that he never regretted beating his kids and that doing so kept them out of jail and kept them right. It's also been claimed that Joe had Michael chemically castrated, basically saying that he forced Michael to take hormone injections to cure his acne and also to maintain his falsetto voice. Even when Michael was in his 40s, he confessed to reporters that the mere thought of his father terrified him. It made him ill. He confessed that he often socialized with children because he wasn't able to play with friends as a young boy and he was robbed of his childhood. He said, it would make me sad that I would have to go to work instead. People wonder why I always have children around. It's because I find the thing that I never had through them. 
again, we're not ready to talk about Michael yet. So don't think I'm excusing anything. This, this is just context. It's, again, we'll talk about it later. Michael was introduced to the topic of sex at a very early age while touring as a member of the Jackson 5. He and his brother would perform at strip clubs, so they would often share the bill with, like, strippers or drag queens and, like, just all kinds of adult shows. His brothers were also constantly fucking groupies. Michael Jackson was exposed to sex from a very young age. He received mixed messages from his parents because his mother was a devout Jehovah's Witness, and she was clear about her beliefs that lust was sinful outside of marriage. Physical intimacy should always be safe for marriage. And meanwhile, his father, Joseph, shunned religion, and he would often have the kids perform in strip clubs and, like, the seediest bars, and he would also have extramarital affairs. And while these adult acts were going on, he would allow his children, including nine-year-old Michael, to watch the acts from the wings. So he would watch these women strip and these men in the audience, like, whistling at them. While they were performing at the Peppermint Lounge in Chicago, they made a little peephole in their dressing room and they had a direct view of the women's bathroom. So they would take turns watching and they recall learning everything there was to know about ladies through that little hole. During other residencies, the siblings would perform the Joe Tech song, Skinny Legs and All, and Joseph would instruct little Michael Jackson to make his way into the audience, crawl under tables, and lift up ladies' skirts to look at their underwear as part of the performance. Michael was embarrassed, but he gave in because he knew that the audience loved the routine. And then after these crazy-ass performances, they would go home and their mother would tuck them into bed and, like, remind them of their virtues of being a good Jehovah's Witness. Their mother, Catherine, was reportedly unaware of all of these, like, strip club activities for years. According to Michael's older sister, Rebby, a relative had arranged the services of two hookers to take Michael's virginity. He told him to work him over and then locked him in the room with them. Rebby said that this absolutely traumatized Michael. Whether or not he actually had sex with the hookers, she didn't say. One of the prostitutes was Lilius Harris, who remembers the first thing out of his mouth was, why are you a prostitute? I answered, because I needed the money. He seemed interested, so I undid my blouse and showed him my breasts. He turned his head, repulsed. Stop, I can't have sex with you, he said. Please put them back. She continues, when I asked him why, he told me, because I just can't. I thought he meant he couldn't get aroused. He looked so sad. Then he said, can we talk about you and your life? I didn't want to talk, so I gave him my telephone number. Anytime you want to get off, call me, I said. Michael looked at me and asked, what does that mean, get off? He was totally sincere. I told him, it means screw, Michael. Anytime you want to screw, call me. She says that he never called her. Britney Spears is another one that needs her own whole-ass episode. She got her start on the Mickey Mouse Club alongside stars like Christina Aguilera and Justin Timberlake. She became a multi-platinum record-winning pop star at just 18 years old. From the very beginning, she worked incredibly hard and performed a lot. She had a tumultuous marriage with Kevin Federline, with whom she had two sons. Britney began behaving erratically after her divorce was finalized, and K-Fed was granted custody of the kids. She shaved her head and was photographed hitting a paparazzi's car with an umbrella. In 2008, she was twice admitted to a hospital under a temporary psychiatric assessment ruling after an incident in which she allegedly refused to surrender her sons in a standoff involving police. A temporary conservatorship was established around this time, but it was later made permanent and would last 13 years. 
However, Britney had a nightly residency in Las Vegas that was earning her estate $350,000 per concert. So at this point, her fans started questioning if she's able to work and make all this money, why isn't she able to control her finances? In 2021, Britney Spears detailed her struggles with her mental health, the loss of her agency and her life, and how her father was forcing her to work. She explained all of this during a live stream court proceeding in her conservatorship. She reportedly spent $1.1 million in legal and conservator fees in 2018 alone. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Jeanette McCurdy. I have mentioned her before, and I'm going to do a deep type episode on her as well pretty soon. So she is the actress from Nickelodeon. She was uh, Sam from Sam and Cat and iCarly. If you follow my Facebook, I have been posting a lot about this because she recently came out with her memoir, which is called I'm Glad My Mom Died, and it details her experience as a child star and having a stage parent. Jeanette also has a podcast where she's described a lot of her experiences. A couple of things that are notable are that her mother pressured her into anorexia. Jeanette grew up restricting calories and didn't realize that anorexia was even a thing for a long time. Her mother also pressured her into doing roles that she didn't want to play or performing scenes that she wasn't comfortable with. She's described having a constant urge to perform for people, like it's hard for her to be herself or or even know how to do that. She once described going to her therapist and thinking of ways to phrase her statements so that they would come out as entertaining until she realized, why am I trying to entertain my therapist? There's something fundamentally strange about Learning from such a young age that your every movement or every tone in your voice comes with an immediate reaction from adults. According to Dr. Jen Berman, who is a Beverly Hills psychologist who specializes in parent-child issues, she believes that people who want to stay over-involved in their children's lives, they often lose their own identity and their child's identity and success. And she thinks that that can have a lot of long-term negative effects on the kids. She said, The bigger picture is when a parent does something like this, it shows a lack of sensitivity to their children and a lack of understanding of child development. Generally, with the exception of blatant abuse, children tend to be harmed more by ongoing parental choices than one specific incident. When a child is being depended on to create a sense of success and self-esteem for a parent, it's way too much pressure, and it can lead to all kinds of things like alcoholism, substance abuse, and eating disorders. So with all that said, I have a lot of my own opinions about child actors. And if you don't want to hear them, then this is a good time for you to to go. (laughs) But personally, and I'm saying this as somebody who's been performing since 13 and my own children are interested in performing. I mean, I have I have a daughter who's been performing in place since she was five. But I just think children shouldn't be working as actors. And I put an emphasis on the word working. So hear me out. I just think. We need to make sure we draw the line between work and play. I've always loved acting and performing, and so do my kids, but nobody ever pushed me into it. Nobody ever told me I needed to do that. If your child wants to be a performer and it's their dream to go to Hollywood, you need to set the correct expectations for them, and you need to set them for yourself as well. 
You need to realize beforehand that you're doing this for your child's enjoyment and not for your success. The moment your child doesn't want to do something, it's your job to advocate for them. Hollywood isn't looking out for kids. And and I mean, they need to be held accountable for that as well. A lot of times parents really don't know what they're getting into and they do need to trust that professional. They really do believe that these professionals and executives are going to guide them and protect them and that there are policies and systems in place to protect people. So yeah, there are situations where like when you parent blame for things like that, the most you can blame them for is being naive. Not in all cases, but some. Sometimes parents know exactly what they're getting into and they take the risk anyway, but still, the professionals owe it to a lot of these people who are newbies and laymen, and there just has to be some more security. When we talked about Brittany Murphy, I mentioned how she would go to school on set to comply with labor and education laws, but because it was on set, there was rarely any actual schoolwork being done. So the quote-unquote systems that we have in place are bullshit. They're easy to get around, and they're not made for the child's best interests. They're made to bare minimum comply. How did Corey Feldman get abused on set multiple times before someone said, hey, where's your guardian? And yeah, where was his guardian? But also, where were the executives saying, hey, you can't be here without a guardian? Why did that, why did that take so long? And this is the problem with sending children off to work. They are children, and we're literally shipping them off and telling them, figure it out and do your job. I hold all the adults accountable. Okay, so that's it for today. As always, don't forget to check out BrokenLimelight.com and there will be in something in between a transcript and show notes on there. There's also pictures and videos of interviews, things like that. Guys, this is shocking. I just wanted to give you one big overview of all of these cases in case you wanted to deep dive them individually. But quite a few of them, as I said, we're going we're gonna to talk about them later. Don't forget to follow me at ddwestmusic.com if you want to follow up my performance schedule. And be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash C like cat slash DD West and then hit subscribe. That's it. Don't forget to buy my book. And if you'd like it, let me know. Thank you guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bark box, bark box, bark box. Bark Box. You guys know my dogs, Jude and Eleanor Rigby. Well, we just started getting them Bark Box, and I'm telling you, your dogs will love you. No more are they angry at the mailman. No more, I say. It's like a box of dog joy that's delivered every month, and each box tells a different story with different themed toys, treats, and photo-worthy props. Typically, what we get in each box is a couple of toys, a couple of treats, and a chew, but you can actually tailor fit your box to fit your dog's needs. Guys, I'm telling you, your dogs will love you, even more than they already do. So try it out, and if you use my link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox, which is a $35 value. So just head to BarkBox.com slash Broken Limelight and get started on your first BarkBox today. BarkBox! 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 BarkBox!
Nailed it, Jude.